want to begin our teaching time this morning. First, before I do that, I need to make another announcement. So, we are going to have either Janet or Kate, and they work out the schedule themselves, available every Sunday morning at 8.45 to be in and around the office. So, if you have a need on Sunday morning, instead of trying to find Derek or I, which that's still possible, maybe, you can always know that Janet or Kate will be here around the office to help you. If you've got a need or something that you're not sure where or anything of that nature, go to them. They have graciously agreed to be available every Sunday morning, and we think that'll be a, an awesome thing, especially as God provides and we continue to see visitors come and uh, all those things. We just think that'll be a great thing, and so thank you to them for being aw- available to do that. Before we begin today's teaching, we need to finish up a teaching of a, a couple of weeks ago and the prior three weeks before that, because everybody's been going, Mark, when are you going to clean it up? None of them cleaned it up. It's a good thing, because I didn't want them to clean it up. If you remember, we talked about the, the scripture that talks about the man who uh, builds his house not on the sand, but on the rock, in the rock of Jesus Christ. And, and we talked about marriage those two or three weeks, and how important it is that our marriages today are, are built on the rock, built on a firm foundation. And we even took the Bible and said, yeah, this is, this is a, what we see as a foundation, a concrete block, but really this is the foundation we were talking about. And, and that day as a, as a point of reference for us to see, and to, because we learned from seeing, we built a... A, a sandcastle, you might say, here. And it looked really nice. You know, I added some water to the sand, and it, it, was, it was all good. And the next week, it was all good. And then somewhere between that time, this is what happened. Now, I have been assured by everybody that no one smashed it, although the temptation for many was great. Those kids were probably the ones in the principal's office. Because they were just going like this, just, just seeing how far they could go. So two or three weeks passed, and it stood. I think people were thinking, wait a minute, Mark, your analogy here isn't working. That's just the way Satan deals with us. He deceives us. He reels us in slow, lets things look good. The analogy of the scripture is strong by what we see in before us. Understand, this sandcastle, this house, this marriage that looked so good for two or three weeks was never outside in the storm, never experienced rain, never experienced wind, never, never experienced any of those other things that if it was built out there in the world, it was sheltered by this building it was kept safe by me but before long before long because it was sand it too fell and this is what's left during those same three weeks this block didn't change you see very vividly This is the marriage we must teach. That a marriage, 
according to the Word of God. It's a marriage that won't be absent of troubles and trials and tribulations. No, because we walk into those out there. But because it's founded upon the Word of God, and as He gave us guidance and direction, it will stand. Because there's forgiveness and unconditional love. That the world can't shatter. Oh, it'll try. It'll try. That's the impression I want you to see of a living word. If we had taken this outside, it would have been gone like that, especially with the wind out here on this corner. We cannot shy away from teaching God's word. The world has gone far from it, even within our midst and online. We have strayed away from the Word of God, and to that we confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all all unrighteousness, and He will help us get back to His teaching. So no matter where we've been, no matter how far we think we've gone or, or the bad things that we've done, don't hesitate to come back to Jesus. If your marriage isn't a Dr. Dobson marriage, don't, fit, don't fret because there is forgiveness. There is repentance and confession and it's found in the word of God. He will heal. He will strengthen if we will but follow God's word. Follow God's word. Yesterday, as I was moving about the house, I caught glimpses of the memorial service of Noah. And I think every time I saw it, the matter I got, not because of the service, because it was just a worship service where God was freely shared and spoken and praised. But the matter I got was because of the situation that was so senseless that he should have never been to that situation. All the rule of the land failed Noah. And the more I thought about it, the more I I know people hoped that we could stand up from the pulpit and from the street corner and say, it's going to get better. It can get better. It's not going to get better, folks. And the only way we're going to make it through is Jesus Christ. But it ain't going to be pretty. There's no just sliding through to the end on this one. That's what we need to share with people. Not to be mean and hateful, but to be real. We need to be real. Because we're hoping people make it through to the finish line. Amen? James was baptized. He's there, yes? But that ain't all for James. He doesn't know it yet. And if he's listening, hey, James, you got more work to do. Now you're part of the army of God. And you signed up for a lot of things that Derek hasn't explained to you yet. And for us, too. There's no sliding into heaven. Because our work is not finished as long as we have breath. The world needs to hear the truth. 
And yesterday wasn't the time to maybe proclaim it because the gospel was proclaimed. But I'm going to tell you, rest of the world, if you're thinking this is going to get better, it ain't. And the only way to make it through in some sense of hope and to rejoice in some sense of life is to find Jesus. I want to read several quotes that just struck out, struck out, struck me, not struck out. In the scriptures, as I read a book, I either underline and write out or I do both. Howard Hendricks says this, when your memories are more exciting than your dreams, now listen to me folks, when your memories are more exciting than your dreams, you've begun to die. Dennis Rainey says in Stepping Up, God created men not to rust out, but to wear out as they stretch out toward the finish line. He also says in that same book, if you're finished making a difference, then why are you here? God ain't finished with us yet, folks. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, or anything that's going on between those two. Until we breathe our last, God has a mission and a work within us that he promises us in his word that he'll see through to completion. This life is not about us. And that's a lie from the deceiver himself. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Familiar passage this morning, two short verses. Romans was written by Paul. The first 11 chapters were the gospel, talking about the gospel of God, the gospel and Israel's position. In those first 11 chapters, you'll hear the gospel presented. You'll see the struggle with the the favored nation, the nation of Israel. In chapters 12 through 16, which we'll read the first two verses of 12 today, it talks about the gospel lived out. It's a very important message to all of us. If you want to read that, read that. If you're questioning, what should I be doing now? How should I be living now? Read Romans chapter 12 to the end in chapter 16. This is the gospel lived out. How should those who have been justified by grace respond in their everyday life? So the first 11 chapters, new Christians or non-Christians are presented the gospel message. In these last chapters, 12 and on, We see that those who are justified by grace, those who have received Christ, those who have been baptized into Christ, how should they respond? How should you and I, how should we respond in our everyday lives? Isn't that the challenge? On Sunday morning, we can be pretty good for a while, right? Till it's time to decide what restaurant to go to. Then it just blows everything, doesn't it? Blows everything. How do we respond in our everyday lives? How do I respond away from here? I cannot be somebody different on Monday than I am on Sunday. I can, but that's not what's supposed to happen. I can be somebody different at home than I can be here on Sunday. No! I need to be who I am wherever I am, whenever I am. I need to be the same to you, to the strangers out there, to my family at home, 
Because that's what God's called us to, a life of consistency. How do we respond during our everyday lives? How do, how do we respond to other believers? How do we respond to the community in which we live? How do we respond to our enemies? How do we respond to the government? That's a big one. How do we respond to our weaker brothers? That's Romans chapter 12 through 16. Now let us read chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word, not a new passage to most. The mercies of God. We read of the mercies of God in chapters 1 through 11. The mercies of God are what, what lays the basis and foundation for our salvation. He was merciful to us through his son Jesus Christ. No matter what our sins have been, are now, or will be, he provided the perfect sacrifice that all, all, everyone would have the opportunity to accept through Jesus and be saved and spend eternity in heaven. But because of God's mercies that we read here, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, not anything I did, not anything you can do, I can do, or anyone else can do, understand where these mercies come from that lay the foundation. Very important. If we get this mixed up, we won't understand or be able to capitalize on the rest. It's the mercies of God. Who is responsible? God. It was God who's given it all so that we would have it all. Not us. Not man. Not even the smartest, intelligent being. You know, I'm wondering, you know, back in the day when we went to school, or a lot of us went to school, I was talking with somebody about this the other day, and we were laughing because, you know, they said, hey, you know, the kid, the, these kindergartners and first and second graders have P.E. Mark, I don't remember us having P.E. I said it was called recess. Where I went to school, we had three of them. And we didn't go any longer than they do today. We had a morning recess, a lunch recess. And an afternoon recess. And I'll bet less kids that grew up died of heart disease then than they do now. Chasing after the girl, I mean, playing tag, going down slides, playing ball. We learned reading, writing, arithmetic, and some other things too. They call it all different things, new math, expressions of yourself, I think that's writing, all these other things. I would really love to know, but I'm not going to say it very loud, because somebody, some university will pick up on it and say, we're going to spend a gabillion dollars trying to study this. It's not worth studying, let's just accept it for what it is. I would be willing to bet, not that I'm a betting man, Lord, please forgive me, but that there were no more geniuses created today by the education system we have today than we did back then. 
we need to understand that there is nothing we can do that God's mercies already haven't done. It's all about God. Those mercies in chapters 1 through 11 lead us to the greater understanding of what it means when it says to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is a spiritual service of worship. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, holy. The bar is high, folks. Holy, not just to present a body. How many of you just had that where you just kind of present your body someday? Yesterday was one of them. I got up and we got the blessing of, of watching our two littles. And so they came over early so mom and dad could have a day away. And so we got to keep them. And from the moment they land at the house, it's no, there's no stopping. The one-year-old has learned to walk. I mean, it's everywhere. And so you're running around trying to watch the corners and things like that. Terry told me the other day, she goes, you know, it's kind of strange. I think I've lost two pounds. She goes, and I'm not walking anymore or doing anything. I said, you're chasing kids. So by the time they hit the ground, I hadn't taken a shower yet, and, and we just had a great time. Then we took them swimming. That was a whole, it's amazing how much those water pampers will just explode in the water. That's a great, great thing to think about when you're going swimming. Came back, and then we were feeding and taking naps. And Well, I wasn't taking no nap, and Terry wasn't taking no nap. But anyway, you got the picture. Last night, we were just so tired. Once they went home, that we just went to bed. This morning when I got up and showered, I thought, man, my hair is all sticky. Well, it's chlorine and grease and stuff because I hadn't showered the day before. When we present ourselves before the Lord, we want to present ourselves as a new body. Amen? But he, we are able to do that because of what he did, not because I took a shower. Our bodies in this scripture are all of our members, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our hearing, everything about us. It's our entire lives is represented in this scripture. It's not just, oh, I'll give this one part to church. No, it's, he's asked for our whole body to be presented not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living and holy sacrifice. He's expecting our total commitment. How many of us can say we've, we've been totally committed to anything nowadays? Prayerfully, in, if you're married, sitting beside your spouse, or at least in the same pew as them, you're saying you're totally committed to them. If you are, we can set up a time later this week to talk about that. But I'm just saying, how many of us can say we're totally committed to something that's what he wants and that equates to reasonable service what does this reasonable service mean it means this if the son of god has died for me and that's what the bible says and i believe in it if the son of god has died for me let's let's get everybody else out of the picture now we can be a little self selfish right now just just look at you forget everybody else if the Son of God has died for me and died for you, the least I can do is to live for Him. Amen? If somebody were to save your life tomorrow, wouldn't you feel a commitment to, to help them or be there for them and, and at least be eternally grateful that they saved your life? Why anything less for Jesus? Live for Him. Not live for me. Not about me all about him mark that's just not possible yes it is when we understand the basis of what the scripture teaches us 
I can't fathom the great mercies of God. I know if I was in charge of the mercies, we would all be in trouble because I would just send the lightning bolts left and right. Praise God he doesn't do that. I don't know about you all, but praise God I'm praising him he doesn't do it to me. Reasonable service, what does it mean? It also can mean spiritual worship. Oh, we do that on Sunday morning, Mark. I checked it off. We've been here. Spiritual worship. I did it. It's more than Sunday morning. It's Monday through Saturday. It's 24-7. It's a never-ending life of spiritual worship. Why? Because His mercies are so great. Believe me, folks, as bad as everything is in the world in which we live and has been for, since the beginning of time, God's mercy overcomes that. Grace floods over us. As bad as the baddest person in the world thinks he or she is, there is nothing too bad for God. Amen? That's true. That's exciting. That's, that's a powerful message to share with the world because a large portion of our world today rests in deep depression. Many of them won't admit it. But they are. They're driven down by every negative thought and word and deed and action, whether it's in their life or in the life of the world around them. But there is light in this dark world, and that light is Jesus Christ. And we, the church, have been called to use our total self, our total members, to proclaim that and live that out so that they are drawn to that, not because of our efforts, but because of the Jesus that oozes through us. Yes? Ooze, do you like that word? Being a grandfather, ooze has a lot more definitions now. We got, got the little guy all dressed in his one-piece swimsuit with his little pamper uh, swimming pool things. And no, I mean, one, to wrestle this little kid and get it on him is a whole different story. Well, then all of a sudden, while Terry's busy getting ready, I noticed him standing really still in the middle of the room. Well, since I have no smell and no taste since last August, lots of things just don't bother me anymore, and it makes being a grandfather incredible. But I knew that look on his face, intent as he was, he was at some business. When Terry walked into the room, I said, before we go to the pool and cause a real ruckus, I think you might want to check him for his business. No more than she got close to him. She goes, oh boy. Off come, wrestling match number two starts. Get that one piece off and the diaper off and take care of business. And I'm telling you folks, We must let the love of Jesus ooze from us. When we're aware of it, when we're not aware of it, all the time. Our reasonable service can be spiritual worship. Our service is explained in Romans chapter 15. Our total praise of our lives is explained in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And that total spiritual worship or that total giving of ourselves even involves the giving of our possessions. And that's explained in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. 
we must not, as the scripture goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Abandon the thought patterns and lifestyles of the world. How hard is that? When they're just so prevalent all around us that we're just sucked in without even thinking about it. How many of us fall in and conform in the fast food line? Amen? If you're hungry, what else choice you got, right? I just love Chick-fil-A. Oops. Facebook will probably turn us off because I just did an advertisement. I mean, they can use the word absolutely more than anybody. When I go to a different restaurant and a waiter or a waitress says absolutely, I know where they got their training. They, they started at Chick-fil-A. We are conformed when we fall in and do that which the world wants us to do instead of that which God's called us to do. And the world didn't provide any mercies for us. The world didn't provide any sacrifice for us. And yet we so easily succumb to what they want us to be. To be conformed or to not be conformed means we have to abandon, get rid of, run away from, don't adhere to the thought patterns of the world and the lifestyles that the world proclaims to us. Who is this world? You know, we read through this, don't be conformed to this world. What does it mean? We think, oh, that's everything else out there and all this around us. The world is crucified to us. That's what the Bible says. And we are crucified to the world. Crucified. Not just separated. Crucified. There's a death that has to take place. And we must die to the world. Anyone who loves the world, listen to this, and we even talked about this in a, in a previous teaching time. Anyone according to the scriptures, who loves the world is an enemy of God. Not just a non oh, they're just a non-believer. No, if they're a non-believer, they're an enemy of God. And what do you do with enemies? You fight them. You fight with the intent to destroy because they're an enemy. When there's a disease that takes place in your body, you look for something that will destroy that enemy that's within your body. Not just let it go or pacify it. We're called to be crucified to the world and the world be crucified to us. We are sent into the world to testify, to testify that, it, that its works are evil and that salvation is available to all that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you a story. It happened Friday. I was sitting there and I got this, this phone call. And I'm going to embarrass somebody here in a minute, I think, and they have no idea they're going to be embarrassed. So now just let, I want to see all you sweat for a minute. I picked up the phone, wasn't from a number I knew, and on the other end of the line was a young man. He introduced himself as Ryder. He said, you don't know me, but Alyssa Earl told me about you. He goes, I go to LaPelle High School. I was brought up in a Christian home, Mark. He said, but I'm questioning my faith. And Alyssa said, you might be somebody that would talk to me. And for the, I don't know how long we spent that day on the phone talking about faith and, and just life in general. I said, Ryder, I don't have all the answers but I'd be glad to get together with you and, 
and talk further. And he goes, I think you would be. I said, you just name the time and the place, and I'll meet you, and we'll talk about this. You write down your questions, and we'll come together. He knew the basics because his mom and dad had brought him up in church, but he was at a point in time. He goes, you know, I'm just not sure I'm, I'm there anymore. I said, just by your phone call, I know you're there because God's moving in your spirit, and you had enough courage to listen to a friend, to call a stranger, stranger, danger, and then to talk about Jesus of all things. And then second of all, you're willing to get together with me. I said, I know Jesus is there. But you're just at another point in your life where God is wanting you to shore up that foundation and not only have the the head knowledge, but to make sure that head knowledge is in the heart so that your life can be fully experienced for the joy of God. I said, you get back with me. It's your responsibility. I'll do it anytime, anywhere. Alyssa, he wants me to tell you hi. I thought maybe he went to the same school you did. He goes, no, no, no I got a lapel, and I'm, my mind's trying to figure this out. You know, trying to get ahead, trying to figure it all out. Thank you, Alyssa, for having the guts to talk to a friend, to be in there when they had a question, or maybe you just saw it. I don't know the rest of the story. Thank you. As a young person. So tomorrow... Ryder and I are going to get together. Now, I know you're going to laugh about this part. We're going to meet at Panera. It's all about eating, folks. Whether it's spiritual food or real food, you got to do both, right? So we're going to meet there. We're going to talk about Jesus. Folks, that's the fruit that we're experiencing Why? Because of us? No. But because God sees that we have become a church, a part of his body of integrity, of presenting the word of God without any icing on it, telling it like it is and letting it fall and then loving and praying everybody into fruition because of it. Whatever their age, wherever they are, whatever their status or wherever, people, God is working in and through you to share the love of Jesus with the world. That's what we're called to do, to not be conformed, but to battle against, to be willing to share and invite people to church or Bible study or youth groups or to speak with somebody if you don't have the answers or feel better that they would talk with somebody else. A couple weeks ago, I told you I got to go to Muncie, which was kind of return, and it involved food too, Conconin's Bakery, and I'm just telling you, you need to go eat it. It's good stuff. But when I left, that young man texted his grandma, and all he said is, I love Pastor Mark. That's not me. That's God working. Because our world doesn't know or doesn't see people willing to take time in their day and in their life to sit down with them and make themselves vulnerable to talk about Jesus. But as many opportunities as I have, I know you all have those opportunities too. We are sent to testify that there is evil that's prevalent and that salvation is available. Be transformed, the word says. Think the way God thinks, as revealed in the Bible. I can't even imagine. Think the world the way. I wish I could think just a little bit like God. Man, because wouldn't it be cool? 
to kind of know what the weather's going to be and not tell anybody? I think it would just, it, it'd be overwhelming. We couldn't know it. To know God's will is to yield our bodies, to live a separated life, to be transformed in our minds, to be transformed in our minds. I want to close this morning by something else I read in a book entitled The Arrow, or I'm sorry, The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus. Just, just getting into the first few chapters, but he got me right away. Listen and absorb this. If one day, if one day we are to have a conversation with God, and we all know we're going to have that, right? The Bible says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will all have to stand before God. Yes, everybody believe that? That's what the Bible says. I don't care. Forget me. That's what the Bible says. So I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know if, if the people that's lining us up is going to be like the, the uh, Disney World things, if we're going to stand there and have time, or, or, I just, or if we're going to sit in the room or, or serve water. I just don't know. But I do know that we're going to stand before God, everybody. All right? If one day we are to have a conversation with God about the measure of our lives, about the measure of our lives, I would rather have him ask me why I tried to do too much than have him ask me why I settled for so little.